Uh, hey TC, what time is it? It's time for me. And I'm TC. And welcome to Movie Makeover, the podcast where you can take the movies you love, thank you love, guilty pleasures, or downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. We'll revisit some of their favorite classics and see what's worth keeping and what doesn't hold up. So if you remember the Blockbuster Movie Nights, or were founders of the Netflix and Chill, this podcast is for you. Every episode, we'll review the good, the bad, and ultimately, the makeover, where we pitch our changes for the film or cast our own reboots. Yeah, this week's movie is the 1994 classic, The Flintstones, starring John Goodman, Rick Moranis, Elizabeth Perkins, and Rosie O'Donnell. Right off the bat, we <laughs> called it a classic. I think we need to revisit that statement. <laughs> so, uh, that being said... God damn, I hated this movie. Let's start with a little recap. Um, so, in a parallel modern Stone Age world, a working class family, The Flintstones, are set up for... Um, an executive job, but they learn that money can't buy happiness. That's pretty much it. This movie <laughs> has so many... Who is this movie for, right off the bat? Because every issue is such a complex adult issue. Yes, absolutely. But, like, that was the Flintstones. Was it? Yes! Have you seen the Flintstones? Embezzlement? Adoption? Uh, well, no, like, the Flintstones was an adult... It was, like, the first... Rick and Morty or like Family Guy. Which okay, I that's that's fine. But this specific movie <laughs> handles conflicts that not only are uninteresting to children, they're things that are just like, ugh, friends and money. I don't want to be involved in this conversation, nor do I want to watch Fred Flintstone have it. Like Alright, so again, we're going to disagree vastly because I watched this movie and I was like, I love it. Like I love everything about this movie. It's like could I get a better movie? I don't know if I could. <laughs> I have a list of notes, and I have three things that I was like, all right, I'll, I love this about this movie, and that's it. Okay, so I'm going to start off, like, let's start off with the good. The good. I will say that the sets of this movie are great. Absolutely. Like, the set designer, like, um, it's one of the notes that the director, I think, was a huge uh, Flintstones fan. fan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, like... Almost, he knew, and he got almost everything that they needed. Uh, and it's just so well thought out. It's great world building. It's great, like, uh, Steven Spielberg produced this, and you can tell... It's, yeah, has oh my a, god, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. See, Steven Spielberg was like, you know, I have this Jurassic Park technology, let's do this <laughs> shit. And so we're seeing some, like, I think this was, what, 94? So this is a year after Jurassic Park. So we're still seeing some more dinosaurs in the mix um, that were really popular at the time, and it was nice seeing those brought to life. But also just, like, it's really fun seeing, like... You know, oh, our dishwasher is like a pig that's under the Absolutely. sink. Like, things like, like there's that. nothing wrong with this dishwasher. Like, that's what I was going to say. The animal puns are yeah. literally some of my favorite. There's so many dino puns and, yeah. like, all this other stuff. That was amazing. Some of my favorite, uh, even in the opening, it's Steven Spielrock. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, right yeah, off the bat. Like that. Tar Wars. Yeah. I love a good pun. Yeah. And, like, this was, like, filled with them. Um, lots of rock puns. Lots of... Toys are Soros or something like that. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah. It was like again, it was it was really well thought out, and I was really really bedrock the first first with fire. Again, like there's just yeah. so many visual sight gags that like I just could not get enough of. They just kept coming, and I was like each and every time I'm like yes, more please. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, the only all right, the really only other thing I liked, but I'm gonna have to come back to this or a second section because there's parts of this I don't like, but. Visually, 
just based on visuals alone, mm-hmm. um, Barney and Fred are casted perfectly. Right. Just, they look exactly the way they were supposed to look. I thought John Goodman did a very good job as... Fred. Fred. Yeah. Like, he was like... I was like, no, if I... They actually said that they wouldn't have done the movie Without if they him. couldn't have gotten John Goodman Which, to play him. you know what? When I was looking at the actors they were considering, John Goodman, Bill Murray, uh, Chevy Chase, like, he is obviously the front runner, and he, you couldn't do this movie without having someone who embodied Fred Flintstone the way that John Goodman did. Um... <laughs> and even like like I think it's remember it's, this was like before All in the Family but like the honeymooners yeah like, yeah yeah the yeah. lovable oaf yeah. type trope he did so well and he brought Fred to life as someone who you understand is like this everyday middle American or middle world <laughs> small yeah. world. Um, there's only 12,000 people in the world. 4,000. 4, like, that was on the, yeah, I'm going to get there too. Cause like the quotes are some of my favorite when it's just like, a, we'll make new friends. There's 4,000 other people in this world. And it's like, again, they had a lot of fun with yeah. this time period. And I absolutely. Loved and it. I thought that, uh, John Goodman was able to make Fred's more like toxic masculinity have yes. a little bit more like oh you can tell he's just like it's all a front and he actually really loves and respects his wife absolutely and he could have very easily came off like violent and abusive and at one point he threatens to beat her mom with a club <laughs> but whatever it's a joke i guess um because <laughs> we didn't even talk about elizabeth taylor we'll, we'll get to elizabeth taylor she's not part of the good section for me <laughs> i don't know i mean i'm sorry She's not, and we'll we'll talk about this. But Elizabeth Taylor, a great surprise, personally. Her like, last on screen, her last on screen role, role. <laughs> and was then, the Flintstones. Love it again. I, we we just differed because for me, I was like, oh my god, Elizabeth Taylor, what? And that's again, that's very true to the Flintstones, like world or yeah. type like they would have like cameos yeah. by all of these big name celebrities come on the show very similar like, to Scooby Doo in that way yes yeah, having but like celebrities of the time who weren't a listers exactly so you have they're real deep cuts if you go back and watch the episode <laughs> you're just like who's this guy oh he was in Howdy Doody I guess whatever but I wanted to say the quote that I had is like when I think of the sacrifices your father made for you lamb oxen your you brother were, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down too. I was like, wait, what? Did Wilma's <laughs> brother get sacrificed? Yes, I loved it. Again, because of the time period where we're yeah. here. This was very well done. These little one-liners, these little off things, uh, I personally... And, and I will say, to me, as far as ta- casting goes, I think that Rick Moranis was the best part of this movie for me. Yeah, I think he played Barney so well. You feel so much sympathy for him. You really believe he's trying to do right by his friend. Um, and I just, I I love Rick Moranis in almost anything. He's one of those actors that, like, as soon as he's on screen, I, you don't have to sell he me. You do more Rick Moranis. Because, 100%. like, he is a signature part of, like, any 80, uh, late yeah. 80s, early 90s kids' childhood. And he's just fantastic. He's great in everything. And he, um, But, yeah, so he was a highlight for the cast for me. As far as good things, that's all I got. You, what do you think about, and you can say, just push it to later, but what do you think about uh, Rosie O'Donnell as Betty? I'd like to push that to later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, they casted her because she did the laugh. The laugh. And I was like, they, first of all, they do the laugh 
very frequently. I so. also would say, like, as far as just who Rosie O'Donnell was in the early 90s, this role is very fitting for her whole, like, brand, I feel like. Yeah. Like, this is someone who was, you know, she was on, she hosted, like, all the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. Like, yes. she's just really involved in kid culture. And it makes sense to cast her, because I feel like she's someone that kids would, would gravitate and like to. But, um, as far as being a good fit for the role, it, you know, I'm... We're, we're gonna say this. Okay, um, so I will say there's one other joke that I actually liked. That yeah, go was for it. In the adoption, when they're adopting Bam Bam for the first time, <laughs> they bring out this monkey, and uh, Fred's uh, Barney's like, "I guess we'll love it like he was our own." And they're like, "No, no, sir, this isn't for you. This is for the Hendersons," which is such a great Harry and the Hendersons joke. Oh, I didn't even get that. Yeah, like, see, for me, I, I love it, but for me, it's also a very classic. I, I, sh- I guess I should have started off to say that um, the Flintstones was like the TV show was one of my mom's favorite shows. Yeah. So, so when I was younger, I watched it all the time. Yeah. And I loved th- like I get a lot of my sense of humor and all this other stuff from that show and uh, like all the Hanna Barbera shows, but specifically the Flintstones. Yeah. And that visual gag of humans and um, I guess. Animals or like yeah, yeah animals yeah. or anything like that. But like just in general, like even later on when his boss is like, "May the best biped win." Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just like it's like a, no, you're all on the same level as far as they're concerned. There's Neanderthals there. Yeah. They're playing. They're bowling with. He's like, like he's like uh, with those Neanderthals. Like I'll have you know, the club no longer allows Neanderthals. And I was just like, <laughs> hey, all lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> Way to throw an All Lives Matter joke in there. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Whenever I can. Okay, uh, keep it. No, that's... Oh, that's the end of yours? That's the end of my good list. <laughs> All right, so I have a few others. Okay. Um, Number one, uh, the male and female dynamics. I actually thought were pretty good. Because okay. as you said, um, everything's... I wouldn't say, like, egalitarian, but very much um, both couples are respected they love their husbands. The husbands love their wives. They're very supportive in, like, that traditional way. But you don't feel like... Like, even when Fred's like, this is my house and I'll do what I want to. And yeah, Mama yeah. just looks at him like, do you really want to go there? And he's yeah. like, all right. I mean, like, thank you for letting me, like, pretend that I and, had that. And that's what I noticed, too, that both Wilma and Betty are the alphas of their relationship, which mm-hmm. I thought was really great considering, like, the dynamic of both, like, Barney and Fred just, like, howling at the moon and drinking beers and just being, like, these wild cavemen. Yeah. Thinking that, like, bolstering this masculinity, coming home, and then being, like, smacked with the facts of just, like, no, like, she runs the, the house. Absolutely. So, yeah. like, there was that, and then, like, the interracial couple with Halle Berry and, uh, God, what is his name? Um, I know it so well. Cliff Vandercave. He's played by <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin, who, I think this is the first time I saw Kyle McLaughlin. Um, and he was also in Showgirls. Uh, is he also in Showgirls? <laughs> he, yes. <laughs> uh, we will do Showgirls at a later date for show. Um, but also, he um, he's in like numerous things, but of course, most I know him most because of Sex of the City as Trey. I uh, looked up that Halle Berry's role was originally supposed to go to Sharon Stone, which is why her name is Sharon Stone in the movie. Again, wordplay. Love it. Um, <laughs> which, you know what? Like... These what what did you think of these two new characters of him and Halle Berry like their characters in this world? Are so, you for it? Are you against it? The, it's it's weird because what I like again it's it's kind of hokey 
and we'll get into it in the bad, but like I like that they literally play up this cartoonish style. So he is a literal cartoon villain. Yeah, he is. You know, like, he, is. he like even like looks at like breaks the fourth wall at one point in time and is just like, oh yeah. my god, can you believe my plan is going off the way that it is? And Halle Berry it's it's not great. <laughs> like, so we'll leave that to that. But I, I just the idea that you have he a... is, he plays that role really. Well. I do have to give him some credit because he I, like I hate him in the way I'm supposed to hate him as Absolutely. the antagonist. Um, he's so wacky. Like this yes. whole plan, this whole character is so wacky um, that it feels like something from like you said, like a Tex Avery cartoon or something like that. Um, this plan, this whole. Oh, gosh, I, I can't even get into this <laughs> wait, right wait, now. wait, 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 but like, alright, so like, keeping with the good, like, Miss Stone, again, her character, is it necessary? Not really. Does it really fit the tone? Again, not really, but, um, she is this black, um, like, yeah. she's, like, higher up, you know, even if you want an executive assistant or, or whatever, she's part of the plan, she's not duped, even when he's, like, gonna cut her out and it's clear, yeah. she's she seemed to be, up. like, aware of it, it's just like, a, oh yeah, I'm not going to... You really have to all of everything. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, very, like, sassy, yeah, yeah. Um, um, without, without her doing the neck rolls or yeah. being, like, a black caricature, which I absolutely love. Sure. And then, um... Anytime a black actor gets a role that wasn't written for a black actor i i'm i can support that exactly and that's what i'm saying like her character is it's human it's you can even tell there are like moments where she's like you actually really do love your wife sure, you know what sure, i mean it's like yeah. she has like a conscience um it's i i liked i liked her character as a fan of the cartoon did it bother you that we saw more of Kyle McLaughlin, what's his character then? Cliff Vandercave. Then we saw more of him than like Mr. Slate. Like a little, but like also like I feel like Mr. Slate was slightly miscast. Yeah. But I mean like it's it's good and it's not Along but with like the rest of the cast, but Concretia. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna name this after my daughter. Con-cretia. You know there's someone in the hood with the name Concretia. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Come on, Concretia. Concretia, let's go. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I just like that Halle Berry wasn't, like, this background character. She wasn't reduced to just her sexuality. Sure. Even, like, friends, I, like... I do wonder if the role had... Like, if Sharon Stone did play that role, would, this, would choices have been made differently? Very interesting, but, like, when she... When, um... Fred was, like... You're you're smart. He's like, I see you. You're yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, like, a, this whole thing where it's, like... She's uh she plays dumb, but it's very implied that she's an intelligent person. Sure. Um, she's in on this whole scheme, and she just has like she actually has conversations and and feelings and emotions. Uh, we don't get a lot of her background, but it's just she's not. Ex- Are you kidding me? We get so many close ups of her background. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> very funny. Good for you. Um, so I just really liked that. And then the other thing that I liked. Um, is this highlighting of blue-collar work. I mean, and in in Fred's case, literally, like, the blue necktie or whatever. Like, the fact that Fred is a factory worker and it's seen as, like, that is a acceptable job you feed your family it's respected um there's nothing really wrong with it and if anything it's moving up this high we're kind of like on the tail end of um 80s aspiration is bad you know what i mean 
Sure, sure, sure. Just like the whole greed is good. Yeah, greed is good. Starting to fall it's starting out. to fall yeah. out of favor. And um, yeah, I, I, I think there there's a message in this very much. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. At the end, when he's just like, I'll just say, I was like, no, fool. But like, <laughs> uh, I did like the idea of them having pride in being factory workers and just wanted a little bit more. And at the end, negotiating kind of for everyone. You sure, know? sure, like, sure. That I mean, at their point, universal healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, I was just like, you know what? I have so many problems with this movie, but if, if I'm being selective, that was like one of the moments where I was like, good for you, Fred. Like you actually like came through with the thing that you ultimately wanted to achieve, which is just getting your friend's vacation time. Yeah, vacation time and, Ca- and ketchup packets. packets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ketchup packets. You can't forget those ketchup packets. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, um, so I will say that's the end of my good, if you have anything else. Um, no, I'm I'm ready to move on to the bad. <laughs> okay, this let's go to the bad. Uh, Where do I fucking <laughs> start with this movie, bro? Again, this is not a kid's movie. Every, like, major plot is so adult in theme mm-hmm. to the point where I'm just like, can, like, like, okay, whatever. You're going to have an adoption story. We get no bam, bam, anything. He is this grouped one line character. There's no like, like seeing how he's adjusting to this new family. It's all from the perspective of the parents. To be fair, again, true to form. Bam, bam is literally, that's it. And you know what? That's fine. But like the fact is because the adults are dealing with such inappropriately adult storylines, it would have been nice to have some perspective of a kid for the children that this movie is supposed to be for. This movie has 35 writers to its credit. (laughs) 35. (laughs) Like, you can tell because it feels like each plot was one movie that they were like, no, let's just throw all that in there. We're going to have an adoption story, and we're going to have this embezzlement story. We're going to have this, like, weird, like, class issue thing with friends and money, which I just found so awkward to watch. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I didn't want to be a part of this world. As gorgeous as it was, I wanted to get the hell out of there as a viewer. Really? See, yeah. I, I disagree, but I think it was because... We, we talk about this very often when we talk about movies or anything. It's like, sometimes I just, when I know I'm signing up for the ride, I'm like, okay, disbelief is just like out the window. Like, I'm not supposed to, sure. I'm not supposed to get heavily invested in, I mean, there are dinosaurs running around in Sabertooth. Okay. So I don't really, you know, like, as you said earlier, the dishwasher, is, the sink is a uh, mammoth. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, a woolly yeah. mammoth or something like that. Which, by the way. Anytime that they are drinking water directly out of the snout of that mammoth, it's fucking gross. It is gross, but again, attention to detail. I just gotta say that. I was just, like, disgusted. I was like, how how are you feeding, like, giving this to your child? Like, there was a scene that I was like, what was that for? And maybe it was like, I don't know, but it's the one where the pterodactyl warning... Yeah, out of nowhere is, like, a pterodactyl attack, and it happens, and then it's gone. And it's never spoken of again. Head plays no yeah, yeah. part. There's just like arm poop that falls from the sky. Like, and you're like, why was that relevant? I was like, oh, is there going to be some pterodactyl thing that comes back? at the?" And what's interesting is that uh, Halle Berry is all like, oh, you were going to get out of here. We're going to catch the first pterodactyl out. And I was like, so are pterodactyls tame airplanes? Or, yeah, or are they we open up with them. 
Yeah, so it's like they're both. Yes. But that gets back to one of my main issues with this movie is that there is zero consistency okay. as to the rules of logic. Okay. Some animals can talk, some cannot. Explanation? Nope. <laughs> Everything that seems to be a machine is done by an animal until it's done by a machine, television, <laughs> radio, lights. Yeah, I was like, I was very, and I think, again, I think that's a, a situation where in... The show Flintstones, it's kind of similar, or it's like they have TV, and you're like, how do they have TV? And they're like, it's a cartoon, what more do you want from us? Um. But that's what I mean, it seemed like television and radio and all of that, like, it played such a small part in this movie that you could have done without it, without complicating things, to just be like... Wait, they have a big screen television, <laughs> they have a hot tub, they're having all these things that need electricity, zero explanation as to how, they, but you'll go through the effort of just being like, this is our garbage disposal and how it works. You know what I didn't see and I, I needed from this? The whole, ah, it's a living. Like, like yeah, I was waiting for that moment because, like, you're right, like, I would have loved to see, like, um, it turns out, like, the hot tub is being ran by i don't know yeah just <laughs> something like give us a, like another side of the tv where like make up a dinosaur exactly. whatever yeah. like just give us something and so there was just a lot of inconsistencies that i was just like i don't know the rules of this world <laughs> yeah and i will say like if you if you pull at any of the the strings they're not like well done again a lot of great visual gags but, like, um, yeah, laws of physics out of the way. 100%. There, I know that because I took this note. There was a scene at the beginning of the movie where Fred and Barney are in the car, and Fred stops to make some toxic speech about him being the man of the cave. Uh-huh. Um, and then when they start the car up again, they just use their feet. But just for a few feet, they'll yeah. use it. And the car proceeds to coast <laughs> uphill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's going on here, guys? <laughs> So it sounds like you have a problem with, like, the Flintstone world logic. Yeah, because it's not consistent throughout. Like, <laughs> you can't paint this world and just be like, hey, here are the rules, but only sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and even as a I kid, guess, yes, like, yes, that yes. was just some of the things. You know what? And honestly, I think, especially since we're talking about, um, since we are talking about uh, a cartoon movie that's yeah. to life and, you know, how we would remake it. I think when we get to that portion, the internet w- is very much like you. It would not let it, like, exist without Yeah, <laughs> We're gonna need to know how this is done. You're gonna need to think through that world a little bit more. And also, I have to say this. I thought that some of the dinosaurs, quote-unquote, because some of that shit just looked made up. Yeah. Uh, were genuinely terrifying. There's a scene where we just talked about what Fred fixing the garbage disposal. Yeah. Where he sticks his fist <laughs> down to his elbow into this hog's mouth. Yeah. And I was just like, this is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> like, the look on that animal's face with a grown man's hand lodged yeah. down it and pulling out a wrench from its stomach? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, uh, okay, all right. I, also... I think this is this movie's the reason why I hate the B fifty twos. The BC fifty twos. Oh my god! Whatever. <laughs> I, as a kid, I remember thinking that this movie was shit, and I forever, whenever I hear the B fifty twos, which you only hear Love Shack at like shitty mm-hmm. weddings or whatever, but like. Every time I hear it, I'm just like, I hate this song, and I hate this movie. <laughs> it's just kind of like the sound. I don't know why B-52 signed up for this, but whatever. Um, again, because it was very much in the world of, like, they would have these 
kind of, as you were saying, like the fringe celebrities, you'd have the fringe um, musical guests as well. Yeah. Um, and something like the BC 52s. Yeah. Totally makes sense. I, I really do wonder where they were in their, their like history as a band. Like, what, did Love Shack just come out? Was it a hit? Like, where were they? Is this right after? I can believe it's right after. Hold on, let's let's look that up. But like, um, I don't know. Love Shack by the B fifty twos. Nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty. Okay, so it's been out for a while. It was and- recorded in nineteen eighty eight. So yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things where they're kind of recent. Like, like, yeah, so that kind of makes sense. It'd be like if the Chainsmokers, like, guest starred now. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> Is that part of your makeover? Is that no, it's not. I'm just saying, like, it would be very similar. Um, <laughs> or the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> I, not, the, one of the other things that always bothers me in, in movies, and this obviously is just, like, a criticism just on this whole animals talking genre, yeah. It's not that all animals talk, they all speak English. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're going into the I know, here, but I like, know, you're fine. But that's always one of those things where I'm just like, really, they all speak English? <laughs> like, is it language new to y'all? We got technology through a boulder, boy. Uh, anything is And possible. you know what? Okay, like, this is something I can believe, because when you read that IMDb uh, uh, description, it starts by saying, in this alternate world. Yeah. That I can believe. Believing that this was a long, long time ago literally doesn't make sense whatsoever. Well, do you know the fan theory, right? Oh, oh my god, I love this fan theory. The fan theory is that the Flintstones is actually in the future. Um, yeah, wait, wait, let me tell you about this. It's actually in the future, which is why they have technology like um, television and all this other stuff. It's just that we like blew up the planet or like destroyed it or something like that. And this is the ground level of the planet Earth in the future. And it's supposed to take time at the exact same time as the Jetsons. But the Jetsons are in the sky. And we never see the ground when the Jetsons are in the sky. And there's a crossover movie. I have seen the Jetsons Flint- meets the Flintstones. I had it on VHS. And in, in that movie, Elroy starts off by saying his time machine doesn't work. That's what he's like. He's like, it doesn't work. And when they do it again, it's like, oh, they went too far back. But everyone's theory is that, no, what they actually did was just transport down to the ground level of Earth. I have a really hard time (laughs) with that theory, only because it doesn't give explanation to dinosaurs and their role in the community. I mean, but also the way that dinosaurs live and work uh, for what we know, even in, like, that time, it wouldn't make sense. So they are more mutants, like, than they are. I mean, like, think about it. Like, dinosaurs are not, like, just even the size and proportion. They're not like that. Yeah. So these would be definitely a mutated or a domesticized version of a but, lizard creature. But here's my issue, is that <laughs> you need some wild fan theory just to make sense of this world. Like, because that's how convoluted it is. No, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. I was just like, didn't know if you knew No, I didn't. Theory. And that's that's really fascinating, actually. Because yeah, I yeah. remember actually loving that Jetsons of Lindsay. Yeah, and I think, and honestly, like, so... We'll get there when we do the makeover. But, like, I want to see that movie. I want the Jetsons meet the Flintstones and we just, like, explore that fan theory. Let's talk about the cast that we didn't like. Okay. 
You did not like Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> I did not like Elizabeth. Well, starting off, I as much as I loved uh, the casting of Barney and Fred, I felt that no one in this movie had chemistry. I, yeah, I didn't like seeing anyone together on screen. I thought I thought Barney and Fred more than anyone else. Yeah, like, yeah. But and those Wilma and Betty scenes fell flat every time. Yeah, they weren't like you, they. You could tell that they were supposed to be best friends, but it just. It felt a little stiff. And no, also, so, I kind of felt like... I blame Elizabeth Perkins for that, but we'll get back I to that. I do too. Yeah. You know why? Because she always plays shrill. She plays lovable shrill in every movie she's what in. She plays... Big, she plays lovable shrill. Okay. And in, um, what's it, Miracle on 34th Street, she plays lovable shrill. Okay. This is just what she's good at. So, <laughs> to have her play this, like, animated character, I don't... As far as... I'm, I don't know. I... She did great going back and forth with Fred during yes. those like moments of just like, no, I'm the king of the castle yeah. kind of things. Yeah. But just their chemistry, I never looked forward to seeing her or Betty on screen. Um, yeah, I have to admit, like, for me, I like when I was thinking about Rosie O'Donnell, I was like, she does like she does the laugh really well. And then she kind of like you can tell she cares about um both Bam Bam and uh, Barney, but at the same time, the female storyline just kind of felt weird. Like, there was a turn, and I didn't really feel like we got any explanation on why other than um, the Flintstones have money now. How does this movie do on the Bechdel test? Because I don't think they talk about anything other than the men in their lives. Um, well, I'm trying to think. Are shopping. They talk about clothes. Well, they, I would say so that would count. Yeah. Um, and actually, no, I think they do because Halle Berry and um, Elizabeth Perkins have a conversation. And it's just right. kind of like an introduction. So getting to my <laughs> issue with Halle Berry's character is that... She does not act well in this. No, no. Oh, my God. Uh, hardly anyone does. That's actually... This is more of a directing issue. We're going to get to the director in a second. But... Halle Berry's character is this exotic, sexual, yeah, black woman, and it's one of those things where it's just like, well, you know, either either they're sassy and yeah. they're you know loudmouth, or they're the attemptress, and that's what she was. And I know this wasn't written for her, but to see her completely laying down on his desk, yeah, when his wife walks in, I'm like, again, who was this movie for? <laughs> again, I think. I, we have, like, this hard back and forth, because when I watched it, I was just like, again, the Flintstones isn't... It's it's a it's a cartoon, and because it's a cartoon, people mistake it for, for kids, but it was always kind of adult. It always kind of, like, hit on adult issues and, and stuff like that. I mean, of course, like, there's no abortion storylines, yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you get what I'm saying. And, um, yeah, the so... The idea of an abortion in bed like, is terrifying, <laughs> I don't even want to know what animal they're using for that. <laughs> it's a lemon. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, no, so I, I guess I'm like a little bit more forgiving of, of that, especially it's not like she was the jungle. You know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. like she wasn't from the jungle. She wasn't like imported or anything like that. And there were a few other people of color there were scattered people of color. throughout. And I saw that. Um, not as many as I would like. Especially because no. I'm thinking that this is the past. I'm thinking, like, <laughs> beginning of humanity, where are the black people at? Um, 
Yeah, her character was just so-so. Um, I Again, I didn't really care for the child performers at all. Yeah, the, both of the child performers... All right, so first of all, I have to admit, I always thought Pebbles was played by Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. I, oh my god, I would have loved it so much more if that was My the entire childhood, I thought it was them. And then I watched it, I was like, you're not Mary-Kate. No. Or Ashley. And <laughs> you know what? Charm is absent in both of these children. Yes, the children don't really... Like, even the little boy, I felt like... Don't get me wrong, he he's a child actor, so what more do you want? But he's just, like, one note. Yeah, not only that. Okay, so the character of Bam Bam plays such a huge part in, like, the emotional journey of this story. And obviously he's very Groot-ish, where he's just specific to his one line, yeah. basically. So you need an actor who's going to be able to act, who's going to be able to emote outside of the phrase Bam Bam. This actor was incapable of that. Yeah. And the fact that, like, it's a child, you can get anyone to play that role. Just put a wig on them, they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just felt like this movie really uh, fell flat casting-wise. Elizabeth Taylor, your last <laughs> film, I don't know if this... So, one of the things that I, like, if we're talking about, like, dynamics and all this other stuff, um, the trope of the shrill mother-in-law who doesn't care for Fred at all, and then, like, he gets money, money yeah. and all of a sudden, she's just like, my dear son-in-law. You um, know what? You know? I, I give Elizabeth Taylor crap, but she she played that role as it was supposed to be played. Oh, no, she absolutely did. That's what I mean. Like, some of this, my problem isn't so much with the performers as much as how these roles are written. I don't know that anyone like, could have made Wilma or Betty come to she life. She said something, he was like, I have half a brain. She was like, oh, don't give yourself the credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, the, um, you could have married, like, Joey Firestone or something yeah. like that. <laughs> He could have gotten you a good set on wheels. Yeah. Firestone tires. It's, uh... Oh. <laughs> that's, that's what that joke was. <laughs> um, it felt like they brought someone really smart in to do the punch-up of the script. They were like, hey, here's our, our convoluted-ass story. Just riddle it with jokes. And the jokes, <laughs> some of them hit. I told you, for me, especially sight gags, yeah. almost every... Cavern on the Green. Do you know what... Um, do you know Tavern on the Green? Mm -mm. Tavern on the Green is a very um, nice restaurant, high-end restaurant in New York. Um, it's I think it's like in Central Park, but it's like, yeah, Tavern on the Green. So Cavern on the Green is just a play on that, which is why they yeah. go there. Um, yeah, it's just, again, a lot of visual gags that I think are done extremely well. They use the cartoon version of Fred, you know, whenever it's in yeah, print. Yeah, 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 which uh, I did like. Again, and that would... Again, it's like, if you're going to do print, it, of course, would look like the cartoon, so, yeah. Um. Okay, so one thing I want to mention is that the director of this movie... I know that I said, like, <laughs> I give I give props to the set, I give props to certain things about this movie that looked really good, but I feel like a different director would have made such a huge difference because John Goodman is a good actor. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hand, like he is a great actor. Have you ever seen him in that Cloverfield thing? Yeah, yeah, oh he, was, he was great in it. Fantastic. He's, a, he's an amazing actor. I've seen him do great work on Roseanne. Like, he's, yeah. he can do good work when he's given good work. Mm-hmm when he's given good direction, the fact is that no one in this cast stood out acting-wise. No one seemed to have chemistry. No one seemed to be having genuine fun with the roles that they were playing. It just felt like... Well, they were barefoot the entire yeah, time. <laughs> it, yeah, it felt like that. Like there was a tension on that set that just came through, on, through the camera that made it just feel hmm. like there's a funness that's missing from this world that's supposed to be crazy fun. And you know what? The guy who directed this movie, Brian Lovett... 
He also directed Jingle All the Way and Snow Dogs. Oh my god, everything, yeah, so there you go. I need no other, I need no other explanation. So, <laughs> when you think about Jingle All the Way and you're like, huh, this movie doesn't make much sense, imagine giving that guy a huge-ass budget. Because one of the things I forgot to mention of this movie uh, is that it came out in 1994, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 22%, IMDb gives it a 4.9 out of 10, Roger Ebert gave it a 2.5 stars. The budget was $46 million, which is enormous for 1994, yeah. but it grossed $341 million. Told you, people love the Flintstones. Even though this movie was shit, it was. It, yeah. was, it was a dumpster fire. It still made so much money, which is why they doubled down and made that crappy sequel, <laughs> which I don't know. You've never seen Oh, Ebert. I've seen it. Oh. And, all right, so here's the, the fact thing. that none if, of the cast returned for well, it, I'm should tell say, you. If this movie made you angry. I feel like Viva Rock Vegas made you want to light the TV on fire. <laughs> Here's the thing. I remember seeing that at, like, daycare when I didn't have a voice in what we were watching. And I remember, again, even as a child thinking, I don't want to watch this movie. I will say, like, Viva Rock Vegas was one of the ones that I watched and I was like, as a kid, I don't feel like this could have been... It's what happened. This is one of those classic examples of just like, why are we even doing a sequel? Why is Deuce Bigelow going to Europe? Why do we need to see Stuart Little a third time? Like, there are so many questions when it comes to like how sequels are made. We're on Land Before Time, like twenty two, hundred percent. Land Before Time. Now that's what I call music. It's like despite <laughs> the fact that this got really mediocre reviews, it made so much money that we people love the Flintstones. And but it's a different cast. It's not even the same Flintstones. Yeah. It's, and I can only imagine, like, we're having issues with, like, technology playing in this world. I can only imagine what Vegas is like with all of the City of Lights being, what, candles? I can't even get into that. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, I've mentioned most of everything that I wanted to mention. Um, I just really did not enjoy this film. Okay. Clearly as much as you did. Uh, again, I enjoyed it mostly because of the sight gags and the jokes. And I... I went for the ride. Like, um, yeah. it's what is it? Universe Shell Studios. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. Like a, For me, let's not uh, get into the weeds of how they're projecting a video movie on, like, in, yeah. like, in um, Caveman like Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's not talk about that. But they, they stayed very true to the established world. They stayed very true to the beats like they they did a lot of the the beats and the character tropes um which is again anyone who has a um movie or some kind of uh ip that is being made into a, a larger movie yeah you want to make sure that they do like the classic things like i remember um in my research um they spent a lot of money uh, on the Twinkle Toes part because it's oh, yeah, yeah, such yeah. a very Iconic, big part. Yeah. And I will say that, like, it seemed like if they had paid as much attention to just, like, story beats yeah. as they do all of the visuals and all of the jokes, like, this movie should have been great. It had all the elements to be great. It had Steven Spielberg. You're, you're hot off Jurassic Park. Dinosaurs are so hot right now. You have this guy who was born to play Fred Flintstone. Yeah, absolutely. So what fell flat? Like, what went wrong? It has to be the director and the script. Yeah, okay. You know what? I'll give you that. And then again, uh, with the casting. So that brings us to the makeover. All right. Now, this is something I'm still struggling with. Okay. Because, and this is what I think. I think that what they should have done 
was kind of go through the show of the Flintstones and find episodes that were more iconic and maybe expanded those storylines. I can't think okay. of anything specifically. Actually, so that's kind of what they did with uh, Viva Rock Vegas. Because in Viva Rock Vegas, they do the story of how Fred met Wilma. And um, I'm pretty sure that was, like, an episode or something. Yeah. And, and, I, and I do think, like, Bam Bam was, was adopted... I, I would have just preferred that this movie be less work-focused and more family-focused. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, so, like, if I'm doing this movie makeover, honestly, like, I'm keeping the two leads. I'm keeping Barney and Fred the same. Okay. I am choosing a different director for this movie. Who are you choosing? I am replacing uh, our, the Jingle All the Way director, who also directed Beethoven and Problem Child 2. Uh, which we have to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not doing any of the Problem Child movies. You know how I feel about gingers. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> keep going I'm replacing him with Chris Columbus and this is why so Chris Columbus uh, directed uh, Mrs. Doubtfire I thought so and he also did the first two Harry Potter movies which I know a lot of people don't consider to be the best Harry Potter movies yeah. but as far as world building as far as just like taking that book and bringing it to life not going off of what another director did but going right off the dome I felt like he built an incredible world Okay. That made sense, that logically, like, like lined up. Mm -hmm. And when you take the humor of Mrs. Doubtfire, I feel like he would have been a prime choice to, 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 to direct this film. Um, Writing-wise, I feel like if this had more of a, like, a Ghostbusters type of humor to it, if it had more of an SNL, tongue in, like, that type of humor versus, um, I don't know, because the humor, you're right, isn't wrong. I just don't know what plot would have been satisfying for me as a viewer with this world. Because I, I, I don't know. And then, you know, honestly, when when you put it that way, I kind of agree with you that if we're going to do an adoption storyline, let's do an adoption storyline. Yeah. And, and, and talk about how difficult it is to have, like, a kid and then the fact that they did lose their job and having to, uh, two families in one household or, you know, something like that. It's like, there's a lot of depth there that I feel kids would get. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but the original script uh, had... Barney and Fred losing their jobs and, like, traveling across, like, doing, like, it was kind of like a... A buddy road trip? A buddy road trip type thing, oh looking God. for their, work. Their quads must be insane. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, um, and, and that wouldn't have worked for me. Yeah. Like, I don't think that that's it. So, I think, I think the family dynamic or the marriage dynamic or things like that is Or, like, important. something that's, like, threatening their world or way of life. If just the passage of time, like, there's some kind of catastrophe, or there's, like, a terror... Like, let's... Ex the pterodactyl attack is way more interesting than uh, embezzlement for a child. I, I just feel like they got really wrapped up into this whole storyline that was set up by Barney going, hey, I'm going to give him these test results instead of me, which just led to this whole wormhole of, like, <laughs> how are we going to make this work plot, like, line yeah. by line? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think... And then there's, like, this whole, like... As you said, there's just a little few too many threads. Like, there's this whole fear of industrialization yeah. that comes into play. But, like... The workers never really find out about it. No. It's just something that 
as a viewer, you're like, oh, machines are coming. We're out of the Stone Age. Exactly. Then make that the premise of, like, the, the transition between ages. Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's fascinating. Like, let's discuss this. As you said, like, if, I think you would have been right. It's like, say we had been there when Fred accidentally invents the leather. Or, you yeah, know, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Or, like, something where it's like, oh, he accidentally, um entered us into the new age. Yeah. Um, or even, you know what does it really well, as you were saying, um, in terms of, like, a family movie that you follow that's more heart than it is uh, political economics? Yeah. Um, Ice Age. Sure. Even something like that. Like, seeing, like, these characters who have to band together, like... All we did was, like, they're like, hey, we're assuming that you know the relationship between all these people, and we're just going to break it up right off the bat, and you're going to feel sadness that these friends are no longer friends because you've known them from the TV show. Yes. Separate from that, we don't get this, like, like extreme bonding between Betty and Wilma, between Fred and Barney. They're just like, all right, we're, this is just a day of work, ha, 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 by the way, you know, this test is coming up. Yeah. And so I just felt like just uh, to have more focus on the family and just let's explore this town a little bit more. Honestly, you know, I think that after you said that, having a storyline of them like, say, finding Bam Bam. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they find Bam Bam. They think he's like, I don't know, the missing link or whatever. It's just like, yeah. Whatever. And from there, um, they try to find his family, or they're trying to, you know, they try to return him where they found him. Yeah. And then eventually he grows as a part of it, and then, like, everyone's just like, oh, they have a new kid. You but know what I mean? But it's almost <laughs> like, that. here's the thing about the Bam Bam storyline, is that adoption is such, like, a, like, that could just be the movie, like, that could be its own movie. It's such yeah. a huge thing of, like, a family, like, bringing in a new uh, member. For that to be the B character story, I care more about that Absolutely. than I do what this A character is dealing with. Also, in my remake, whatever it is, like, let's make Fred likable. There were so many times he made decisions that I was just like, oh, you're an asshole. Well, so, that, again, that's where it's, like, it's really hard because that that is the Fred character, but so to speak. he wasn't built up. To, I don't feel like he was likable enough to where, like, I was just like, wow, the moment he got money, he got shitty. Oh, absolutely. Like, that was just like... <laughs> but, like, again, that's... Like, I will say, they do this thing where he, he gets shitty, but he also is, like... And, you know, an idiotic oath, where it's just like, yeah. there's that Zoolander moment where he's just like, uh, I don't mean to uh, shit on you guys or, like, be the new guy, but um, how is anyone going to fit inside these tiny little homes? And yeah. you're just like, <laughs> come on, Fred. Okay, so I think I think I figured it out. I okay. think this is what I want from this movie. I want Fred and Barty to both, for whatever reason, they lose their jobs, right? Yes. There is some threat that's coming to the town. Something, whether it be uh, pterodactyls. pterodactyls, whether it be like a volcano, whether it just be anything. And somehow, Barney and Fred, through trying to come up with schemes to make money of their own, accidentally stumble across something that's, that's, that would save the town. Absolutely. And like, they save Bedrock. Like, Absolutely, I want to see I'd that. Like, I like the idea of when um, we see Barney going through his several different versions of yeah. jobs. I'm, like you said, I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah. What was that like? That's, that seems like a storyline in and of itself. Um, and I love him when he's doing the snow cones. Yeah. Like they're about to get hung and then people just keep coming up. <laughs> I'm getting lynched. <laughs> you know, 
as people say before they get lynched. Uh, I can't bring a 20. Like, <laughs> like, it's just like that whole thing was like, people just keep coming up to him. He's like, why can't business be like this? All because the, the end of the, like, the last, like, ten minutes of this movie where they're, like, on the, in the quarry and, like, like yeah. Fred is, like, remembering the model and, like, doing all that. I oh, was, like, they brought the Dictabird back. Yeah. Like, there, I will say, like, having, there are moments where, you know, they do a lot of callbacks and it makes sense. So, like, um, that scene where he accidentally breaks the model, you don't think that's going to be significant. Yeah. And then when it is, you're like, oh, okay. But that's that's the thing, like, showing that Fred is smart in his own way, if I saw more of that, and also, like, that whole last scene, because I don't care if these kids die, and, like, I have no relationship <laughs> to them. But this whole last scene where, like, we're outside, and there's, like, a chase of sorts, and, like, it's real action I was like, oh, this is what I wanted this whole last half of this movie to feel like. I wanted there to be a bit more urgency. I wanted tension. there tension, action, embezzlement is not actiony. embezzlement is not like oh wow you know what's funny I, we just were like what if they like accidentally usher in the new um era which they do with concrete yeah but as you said it's just like it's so like just a happenstance yeah. like never really you know like concrete's a huge deal and i get that that's like the joke and kind of like the punchline like oh they accidentally created concrete but it's like a no like why not have that be the thing yeah that like let's pick up from there fred accidentally creates concrete what does that do for yeah. you know? <laughs> like these are people who are very much set in their old ways the stone age yeah and we are watching them evolve into the next age and evolve to changes that are happening in their world like that like mirroring the changes that we're having to adapt with with technology they're having to do that themselves any, i'm on board for that movie any uh input in terms of like you talked a lot about writers and stuff would you how would you recast this well, you know, I saw that. And let's just stick with, like, the the core family, because I feel yeah. like, based on everything we talked about, we would eliminate, like, well, Cliff and, and Sharon Stone. Did you know that uh, Seth MacFarlane was working on a remake for this movie for a while? I think it fell through, but him, he was going to play uh, Fred. That would have been such a good... He would have been a great cast. Russo, whoever he works with all the time, Giovanni. <coughs> I have no Russo, idea. Uh, he was in Ted. He took the, the, the bear. Ah, okay. He was going to play Barney. Uh, Charlize Theron was going to play Wilma. Like, there was going to be, like, this cast. I don't know if it was going to be animated or not, but there was this remake, and I was like, you know what? I could see Seth MacFarlane as Fred. Like, obviously, I I feel like that would be more of, like, a Ted, maybe adult type of front stones. But you know what? I might be on board with that. And actually, that makes even more sense, as you pointed out. Yeah. So, like, if Flint Stones was the family guy of its day, then that makes sense to me. Giovanni Rabisi. Rabisi, yeah. He would have been a good... He's like a modern... Like, he's like a modern Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, okay. Who is in the sequel. Which, uh, uh, yeah, Patrol <laughs> of the Leap. Um, but I'm just saying, like, he, I could see him being that lovable oaf, sure. oaf type. But if individual. we're talking, like, a 2020 release date, I'm not really sure who I would cast in this movie. Maybe I would cast Emma Stone as Wilma. Maybe I would cast... I mean, like, that's so on the nose. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, of course. Or, like, maybe, again, pull more from, like, SNL cast members. Like, former SNL characters. Have, like, Kristen Wiig. Have, like, Will... I know Will Ferrell was working on a remake oh for, for a while. Oh, my God. Can you imagine Maya Rudolph as Betty? Yeah. Like, like there's, there's things I think you could do with, like, um, the talent pool now that would make that more interesting to watch. But it... it 
even now, I have a really hard time recasting Fred as anyone other than John Goodman. Yeah, he does really well, which is why I thought, like, Seth MacFarlane would be a, a, a pretty good one. Sure, 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 sure. Um, did you have any, like, like when you were watching this movie, you were like, oh, I would do this? Again, the only thing I have that I was like, I was like, how do you, like, recreate, I think... What we came up with uh, in the end is is what I would prefer. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't really think of, as you said, casting-wise, like, who I would get to do anything modern because the story itself just needed to change. And I was like, if we're going to change the story drastically... Now, what I would like to say, like, things. if we're talking, like, a 2020 release date, I would love to see the dynamic between, uh, like, men, like, in machismo versus, like, women coming of age. And, like, seeing that dynamic. Oh, yeah, bit. that even would have been Because, like, cool. you, when you think of, like, cavemen, you think of just these hooten, like, really, like... There's literally one dude who... Again, yeah. I love, like, the visual gags of the dude cheating off the monkey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like he is very, like, he's classic, like, Neanderthal. Uh, yeah. Cast. I would have loved to have seen just, like, what it means for, like, these old, really old, like you know, uh, cavemen ideas of uh, gender dynamics. Like, yeah. that would be something that would be worth exploring. Absolutely. But, yeah. like, again, I felt, and you pretty much hit on what I was going to say, which is that it just comes down to the story itself. Like, the yeah. story arc itself would need to change. Um, I feel like the world that's built, even though, I, uh, as you said, we would need to make sure that all everything pans out, everything has a rhyme or reason, or that we address in some way, shape, or form. Either animals talk, or they don't. <laughs> or, like, even explain, like, something like, you know, there's, I don't know if you've seen the show BoJack Horseman, um, but there's a whole segment, because they have animals who talk, but yeah. they also have food. And there's this whole episode where they're like, no, these chickens are for eating. Those chickens are for... Like, it's okay, like a, yeah, yeah. It's a whole segregation Some acknowledgement. Yeah. Even if it was just like a wink, just like, uh, well, you know how the TV works, or whatever. Like, exactly. Or, or like, uh, let's call the cable guy, and he just comes, <laughs> and it's just like, we see him, like, I don't know. Cables out would have been a very, like, a little hard, uh, sorry, easy joke to do. Yeah. You, like, hit it, there's a bird inside. Who's just yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I thought of this shit show. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess ultimately... So, we've done the good, we've done the bad, we've done the makeover. <laughs> ultimately, is this more good than bad? Or how do you feel? Like Not that? even... Not even close to being more good than that. <laughs> and, and again, the thing that frustrates me is that I could see people watching like the trailer for this movie and getting so amped for it. They do almost shot for shot the intro. Yeah, like it. It is such a, one of those movies that should have been good. It's like the Godzilla. Yeah. Like, do you remember that Matthew Broderick Godzilla? No, I don't. Oh my god, we need to watch that. Really? Because that was one of those movies that, like, all year long, they were like, Godzilla's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be awesome. Oh, I remember out. the promotion. Yeah, and then it just <laughs> falls flat. And then you're just like, wow, what a disappointment. And I, this, the reason why this movie is so bad is because it could have been so good. Okay, and see, for me, I think that, I think I have my first movie that is just on the line. Like, it's neither good or bad. For me, I feel like what's bad about it makes sense. But, like, are you excited to watch this movie again? Or you're like, hey, let's watch... You have a friend come over. Oh, I've never seen Flintstones. Let's watch this shit. No, but... Hey, wait, 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 wait. But would I watch it with a Flintstone fan? Yes. Like, again, if you were someone who liked the cartoon... I feel like it's so much easier. Yeah. If you if you like the cartoon and you know the cartoon world, this is a fun ride. 
because they hit on everything that you want. Or, if you're a true stan of the original series, maybe you're annoyed as shit at the decisions that they make with this plot. I don't know. We would need to find one. <laughs> We're, guys, if you're a Flintstone fan in 2019, please reach out to us. Yes, our, to again, I'm on the line. She sees clearly thinking that this is no. the worst. But uh, let us know your opinions. Yeah. Okay, now we can go to thanks uh, for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege uh, that's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J Tell yeah you can find me on Instagram at BraverMe a.braver.me and if you have thoughts on how to make the movie better please write us at Movie Makeover on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook you can also email us at moviemakeoverpod.gmail.com and uh, join us next week for our discussion of 1983's Tom Cruise and I hate to say the word classic Risky Business <laughs> Well, as always, I'm Siege. And I'm TC. Makeover and out. Out. Come on, Concretia. Concretia. <laughs> <laughs>